It's the Should Have Backed It podcast. Punters enjoyed Group 1 action over two days on Grand Final weekend. Wild Ruler stole the show in the Moya on Friday night, while Zaki confirmed his favouritism for the Cox Plate on Saturday with another impressive performance in the Underwood at Sandown. Meanwhile in Sydney, Adamo lost no admirers when he just missed out in the Golden Rose to the ever-consistent galloper in the Congo. To talk us through all the action is Australia's number one tipster and form analyst, Chris Finicio. Welcome once again, Big V. For me, it was all about Zaki on Saturday. How did you find the weekend? It was a really good weekend. Things are starting to ramp up now, heading towards the Turnbull Stakes, and I think it's just going to get harder and harder trying to find a winner with all these good horses now going to clash against each other. But we'll pick our targets and try to get the right horses and find a few winners. I thought Zaki was was great without being dominant, but she looked, he looked like he had the race under control. I think $2 for the Cox Plate is a bit short at the moment, but he'll probably win again next start and be even shorter. So I'm not in a big rush to jump on him at $2, but I thought it was a good run, and I think he'll benefit from having that, that run the Melbourne way. Yeah, it's a good point, and it's a good point about the price as well, Big V. I mean, what what's very elegant done wrong, really? I think she's sitting at around $7 at the moment, and... Yeah, Zaki might be the deserved favourite, but I think that discrepancy in the market's a little bit more than it should be. Yeah, it might be a, a situation where you just wait on the day and see how the the prices go. Go. I think um, I think we had a wet cox plate last year, so if you get a, if you're getting a, a soft track, heavy track, then very elegant does come into play. Well, I think Zaki's no slouch on the, on the wet either, though, on the soft track. But, yeah, no, it's a good point. And, look, if I was betting just one out, I mean, you're getting even money or $7. I know which way I'd be going, even though Zaki, I think, as I said, is deserved. A horse that I think, you know, sort of goes under the radar a little bit, Big V, but keeps popping up at always a decent, decent price is Wild Ruler, who in the previous started ran quite well in behind uh, Nature Strip. In, in that race in Sydney and came down and won the Moyer on the week uh, on Friday night. He was just perfectly placed in that race in the, the Moyer. When I, say, I mean, when I say perfectly placed, I just think in the run, Daniel Moore just had him in the right spot and when the gap opened, he was the one that, that he finished pretty strong. The horse, you look at the Inferno, probably just got a little too far back, but that was a, a massive run. By him and also trekking as well. He, he's performed well, but with Wild Ruler, he just he was just in the, the perfect spot in the run, and I think that's what happens in some of these belly races in the Moyer and the Manicato, is that you know if you you get these really hot speeds for these Group One sprints at the Valley, and you just got to be in the right spot. Yeah, I think it's particularly uh, relevant at Mooney Valley that you know just finding that right run. You can often get horses that have being caught up. Uh, I was looking for one at a price in that race, and I did stick with one of my horses to follow trekking, and I thought it, yeah, as you say, ran on quite well, but the horse I wanted to talk to you about is the one that you were spruiking as a potential Everest horse last podcast, the Inferno, who, gee, it looked like the winner at one point, but didn't quite get there. Uh, they are now talking about it being in the in the Everest. What kind of chance do you think it would be? I think it would be a good chance. I don't expect him to win, but he has a strong finish, I thought Damien Lane was probably a, a pair too far back when they jumped, but he did. He didn't wait to make his move. He started making his way through the field, and he did look the winner. At, you know, 
halfway down the straight. The wild rule was just too strong for him. I think the Inferno will be strong over the 1,200. I think he'll be passing a lot of horses down the, the Randwick straight and could finish, you know, top four, top five. Yeah, and it, it kind of brings me to a point you just made there, Big V, to something that I've been noticing with my punting, that I've been backing, I think, too many back markers again. And, yeah, they're swooping late or they're, they're, doing, they're running on well, but I think the tracks seem to be, you know, geared towards leaders and certainly the pace of some races. And I, I think I've got to uh, reset my punting a little bit and start focusing on some of those leaders or those horses that settle on pace. It's very important to to do the speed map and look where your horse is going to settle in the run. Sometimes you think a horse, the horse you like, might be a pair or two closer and it doesn't eventuate. It just depends on the speed you get. So you, you want to find horses that are, you know, on speed, you know, no worse than midfield. Because we'll, we'll talk about it later in the Golden Rose. We look at a horse like Artorias, you know, those types of horses are always very risky. But in the Moya, going back to the Moya, uh, like another run, like September run is, you know, another perfect example in these races around the bend. She gets a bit too far back as well. And you know, maybe down the straight, she might be a better proposition. But you know, September run was another another horse that got too far back in the Moya. And talking about back markers, I was surprised that Brooklyn Hustle was just backed unbelievably on Friday night, I think $17 into six fifty. He's drawn barrier 10, and, and he's a backmarker. I was just astonished by the amount of money going on Brooklyn Hustle. That, that's about as big a go as you'll ever get in a Group 1, 17 into six fifty. And I, I, I was stunned by it too, to be honest, and maybe someone knew something we didn't, Big V, but uh, the horse ended up not wanting to go around the bend, which <laughs> didn't help its chances. Yeah, I think it pulled up with... EIPH and a sore throat, but even taking that into account, very risky backing these back markers. And, and maybe, you know, the punts, punters were thinking, yeah, there's a lot of speed here. It's going to set up, you know, the back markers. It's going to set, they set it up for something that comes from back. But I think that could be a bit of a fallacy as well because you don't want to be, even though you've got a hot speed, you don't want to be too far back because you're making up a lot of ground. You, you've got to be in that sweet spot like Wild Ruler was, you know, where the Inferno was maybe just a little bit outside it. So you don't want to get too far back. And I was surprised by, you know, the, the amount of money coming for her. And I, I suppose that's why Wild, Wild Ruler's paid $10 in the end, which I thought was an incredible price. Yeah, on reflection, it, it is, particularly given it did have that really good um, that run in behind nature strip a couple horses up in sydney were able to get the job done leading all the way one of those was home affairs and uh, in the heritage stakes up there and i noticed that that's now being spruced it's a potential everest horse is that a little bit of a stretch do you think no not really i think a lot of the the better chances have already been picked so it's it's trying to find an x-factor horse and i think some slot holders are looking for that three-year-old there's a few options there Home Affairs, Palladley, Animo's been talked up, but I think that's I think he's going to go to the Caulfield Guineas, and there was talk Atorius is going to go to the Coolmore. Maybe Atorius might be an Everest option, but I think they're going to go either Coolmore or Caulfield Guineas. So Home Affairs is probably not a bad option. Showed a lot of improvement 
as a two-year-old into a three-year-old. Did run third in the Todman behind Animo and Profiteer. So, now he's probably as good an option as any, but I wouldn't want him to be leading like he did on Saturday. I think it's going to be tough for him to do that up against seasoned sprinters like Nature Strip and Eduardo. You want him to draw well and be able to sit somewhere just off that speed, and that's probably be his best chance. Yeah, look, I might uh, live to regret these comments, but I don't. I just don't think it's a horse that can finish in the top half of a field of an Everest. But as you say, you've you've got to fill your slot, and uh, you know he's still getting paid out pretty well for some of those positions as well, just quietly. But a horse that uh, also led all the way on the weekend, and is my should have backed it for the weekend in the Golden Rose was in the Congo. Now I'm a massive Animo fan. I, I don't think I certainly wouldn't take away anything from its run, but. I was, I was starting to have that view that you wanted to be on something that was leading. It looked like it was going to get a soft lead, that Animo would have to sort of weave its way through a big field on a track that didn't seem to be suiting run-on horses. And I thought for $8, it was able to dictate the pace, it was a good bet, but didn't quite have the guts to put it on, Big V. Yeah, there was nothing soft about that lead that in the Congo set, but I see your point because it looked like the sole leader on paper and Tim Clark just really, you know, you put on the afterburners and it was catch me if you can. And I thought the I think the the little knock on in the Congo might have been whether he can do that over fourteen hundred. So I think they'll go back to the twelve hundred for the Coolmore, and he might be tough to beat in a race like that. But then again, it's it's deep into his prep, so mm. we'll see what happens. Animo looks like the one to beat in the Caulfield Guineas. You're probably not going to get a price if Artorius doesn't go that way because I think the odds are about $2 Animo, $5 Artorius and double figures on the next line. So if Animo is the only one that goes that way, the Corfield Guineas, he'll be a really short price favourite. Probably be, his odds will probably be in the red. Oh, for sure. And I think yeah, if Artorius hadn't put in that great run on the weekend or ran on really well, we probably already would be in that spot. But... Um, I wanted to talk to you about another race up in Sydney, the Golden Pendant, which was where my should have sacked it horse was on Trevere. And look, it's a horse that I've liked. I think I've mentioned it before. I've had success with, but it was running in season. Now I know the stewards checked the horse prior to letting it out onto the course, but, and it still ran on well. So certainly no knock on the run itself, but I kind of got the sense that I should have stayed away from that given that bit of information and probably started too short given that. I'm just wondering from you, Big V, as a, you know, as a tipster and as a punter, is that something you take really to notice, things like that about horses when you're um, having a bet? I think it, it is off-putting. And if you if you already put your bet on and that type of information comes out, you just got to cop it. I thought it was a big run nonetheless. The only query I had with Entreviro on the weekend was the wide barrier and where they were going to settle in the run. I think if it was a grand final top race, they would have gone, they would have pushed forward and gone to somewhere midfield. But the invitational is the main goal. So that's that's a risky thing with these preliminary final runs. And there's a few of those in, in Melbourne, which we'll get to later on. Um, these preliminary final type runs are really risky to have a bet in because you don't want, to, you don't want your horse to get pushed and have nothing left for next start for their main race and I thought that might be the case with Entrevire but got out to a attempting price, it got out to about $3.310 back into two ninety. but with the way the track was playing at Rose Hill you want it to be 
on the fence and leading. It was tough for these backmarkers to make up ground out wide. So I thought that was a big run from Ontrevere, and I think that's one to follow for the Invitational. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. Uh, it's both a sacked horse and a horse to follow for me this week, which is a unique combination, Big V. But I think, yeah, you, you've got to play, be a bit agile on the day with those sort of things and sometimes just take your medicine um, and stay out of those sort of races um, if, yeah. if, with that kind of information comes through. But you alluded to preliminary final races, and I guess the Jim Maloney there at Sandown is an example of that with the favourite, Zuzarella, not quite being able to catch the uh, the very fast Queen of Dubai, who went out like, all guns are blazing and held on really well. Yeah, another Waterhouse spot horse, like in the Congo, that set a fast tempo on the day and, and managed to win. And Zuzarella, you know, again, drew wide, lead-up race for the 1,000 guineas. They weren't going to push it forward. I expected to be last in the run, and it was going to run on. I still thought, watching the race, that she was going to she was going to bolt him. You know, she looked like she was travelling pretty well. But, again, you've got to make that sustained long run, and I think it just was telling in the last 100 metres. I think she's still the one for the 1,000 guineas. I wouldn't drop off her. I think... Yeah, a horse from left field for the thousand guineas that might knock her off would be um, a horse that coming out of the Golden Rose from the Queensland horse Star Tontes. You know, if that comes down to the thousand guineas, you know, that's just a, a left field option that you know that might be able to beat Zuzarella. Yeah, I think as always, it's a pretty open race that one. But yeah, I, I know the advantage of that sort of downhill part, portion of the track at Sandown for those leaders, but. Gee, I thought Queen of Dubai was going to stop. I couldn't believe it kept going. And, yeah, Zuzarella looked really well placed. I was certainly on her. And, yeah, a bit disappointed she couldn't quite get the job done there, Big V. But a horse that did get the job done and you were pretty happy about was uh, Elephant there in the Sandown Stakes. And I had wondered why you'd put this race on our sheet, but it, I found out pretty quickly that's because you backed it, backed it and had a nice win. Yeah, but it's also a Group 3 race <laughs> as well in the lead-up for the... For the um, what's the race? Sorry, that um, at Caulfield, the, the Turak. So lead up run for the Turak as well. I, I was keen on Elephant, and oh, I've probably the the one regret I had is I probably should have had more on him. Oh, is that always the regret when they win? I was, I was <laughs> pretty keen on him, but then yeah, Cherry Tortoni and Harbour Views ran well first up, and Cherry Tortoni's always that type of horse where you know he's got talent. But, you know, he sometimes he just doesn't do it. And, you know, and, and the money really came late for Cherry Tortoni. I think 370 into $3. And I was getting a little bit edgy about that. Yeah, but Elephant's price still held up to about $2.30. And just controlled this. I thought Elephant was going to sit outside the leader, but Luna Fox was a bit of a fly in the ointment there. But Damien Lane just settled behind those two leaders great ride and I think Cherry Tortoni you know it's he's, he's a risky horse to back I, I backed him during the autumn and he was kicking myself afterwards he's um you'll be losing a lot of money backing Cherry Tortoni well he's another one that gets back and that's I think the point we were making earlier Big V so you had the horse that was going to get back and admittedly this was a six horse field so back wasn't too far away but yeah. Uh, Elephant, again, a leader, you know, um, well favoured by the conditions, I think. And, 
Somehow, Cherry Tortoni, I felt like it got into the wrong position, even though it was in a six-horse field. I felt like it didn't want to be the one sort of ducking ducking and weaving, sort of wanted to be coming around them and having a big crack at them. So I didn't think it was a great ride um, there on Cherry Tortoni, but Elephant, I think, wins regardless. Yeah, I think it, because it's a, it was a sit and sprint, and that's what you get with these small fields sometimes. Probably didn't suit Cherry Tortoni. I think he needs a, a bit more tempo in a race at 1,600. But then again, he's going to be back in the field more likely. So I think he's, he's a type of horse that he can win because he's got talent, but he does need things to to fall in his favour. Yeah, and look, speaking of the six-horse field, we only had a five-horse field in the in the Underwood, obvious, for obvious reasons, with Zaki there. But I think we had a few small fields, and one of them was in race six where your should have backed at horses, floating artist, that was able to win pretty comfortably in the end um, in front of the horse you did back, which was Skyman. Yeah, I was on Skyman. I thought maybe flat second up, rebound third up, you know, and, and turn the tables on Floating Artist. But you know, I think Floating Artist is just a, a better horse and, you know, the, and the money kept coming for him. I know there was a few scratchings as well, but he, he was well back. Skyman held his price around that 440, 460, and I was a little bit swayed by, you know, getting the better odds on Skyman. I thought maybe... He just got held up for a few runs and lost a bit of momentum. You know, maybe one to stick with, but I think just floating artist is just the better horse. Yeah, I think it's beaten it a couple of times now. But again, Skyman in a again a reasonably small field found I think one of the worst spots she could. So <laughs> it's hard yeah. to judge some of that sometimes. But yeah, you can't really knock the winner there one comfortably. Yeah, tough on barrier one as well to you know make sure you don't find traffic. So. Yeah, the barrier didn't help Skyman as well, and he was trying to look for runs as well that came a bit too late, but I don't think he would have beaten the winner. Well, Big V, that was race six, and it seems you didn't learn your lesson for race nine because Aussie Nugget was you should have sacked it horse in the last there at Sandown, and it was in barrier one too. And by then, I'd given up on any horse in an inside barrier, particularly ones like Aussie Nugget that get back. Uh, and, yeah, you've obviously had a crack at it and no good. Yeah, a bit disappointing. I... Yeah, I just think Aussie Nugget is just a, a horse that can tease you a bit and doesn't have a lot of substance to his form, and I think he's one to avoid. Oh, that's about as succinct as you can get, mate. I thought thought of that. That was a very impressive win. I remember being at Caulfield one day when it put a feel to the sword like that, so it was nice to see it really back in form now in the new stable. Yeah, that was a yeah, good win. Benchmark 84, mind you, so... Won't get too carried away by that, but it's promising to see him put a performance like that because you know he did promise a lot and you know had been treading water there for a bit. So yeah, I think in his right grade, he could probably win again. But you know, I'm not going to get too carried away with him. Yeah, I think that's fair. But it, I mean, it was a four and a half length win, so it certainly put them away, mate. It wasn't a uh, on the line job. So I think it's got some uh, better races in it. Speaking of better races in it, um, we might now move to our horses to follow, Big V. And you told me you had a long list today. I've, I can barely find one, so I'm, I'm interested to see what you've got. Well, I think uh, there's a lot of horses there that won grand second that you know we can probably keep following. Like Sir Leo Miss, good return. I think floating artists you know, can keep winning and Skyman in the right race. I think Zuzarella for the 1,000 guineas. 
And uh, one horse coming out of the Moya, Ballistic Lover, I thought that was a, a big performance by Ballistic Lover on that hot speed with Profiteer, who was disappointing on the night. I think in the right race, right 1,000, 1,100-metre race, Group 2, Group 3, I think we can stick with Ballistic Lover. And the obvious one is Animo for the Caulfield Guineas, but, yeah, it could be pretty short in price. Yeah, I thought Ballistic Lover's um, run was huge. Yeah, so I agree with that one, Big V. Yeah. Hadn't thought of that. But the one I found, I thought, early in the day at Sandown was... I thought How Romantic made a pretty good return. Should be able to find a winnable race as well now that when it gets into its prep. And um, we've had some success with her before, so hopefully we can find a race that uh, she'll win. But that's probably it for me, Big V. There's a few that we've had from previous weeks that I'll, I'll look forward to, and that's what I wanted to do now, Big V. I wanted to have a look at next week's Group 1 racing. It's a huge card, um, and I know it's early, Big V, so I don't want to put you too much on the spot, but I... I want you to give listeners one we can lock away. What's what's a winner for next week that you can already see on the uh, page? Just for the group ones or in any race? Well, you can find any race, mate, but if you could, you know, if there's a group one as well, we're happy to take more than one. I think uh, Incentivise should be winning the Turnbull Stakes. I think there's a big chance very elegant. We'll stay in Sydney for the Hill Stakes. You know, the Hill Stakes being a, a group two worth a million dollars, which just doesn't make sense at all. That's, that's <laughs> just... Um, Stop horses coming to Melbourne. So I think um, incentivise for the Turnbull Stakes. I am looking at the, the sprint race, the Gill Guy. Yep. And I think Sutori looks a, a good chance. Just depends. There's a few question mark runners there, like Lost and Running coming down from Sydney, whether they stay in Sydney for the Premier Stakes. It performed poorly first up, but... He showed a lot of talent during the winter, so he's a horse I'm wary of if they come down. And Kim will pass it from Adelaide, will come across, good run first up. And September run, he's, I'm not sure about September run. I just don't know if, if she's getting a bit, you know, she's her, the odds for her or our perception of her is now based on what she did last spring and whether, but, you know, you always get a bit wary, you know, they might be able to pull out that big one because she, she didn't perform well in the lightning stakes in the autumn but hasn't gone on with it since. So a few runners, if Lost and Running and September Run don't run in the Gill Guy, I'm zeroing in on Zutori. So from that, I've got incentivised Big V and you don't mind a bit of Zutori action. I think that Gill Guy is a, a really tough race. I'm surprised you've, you've tried to find a lock in that one, mate, because... Yeah, I think sometimes it's just who has the luck or who is who's feeling good on the day because it's just about five dollars a field there. But yeah, it's uh, only twelve nominations at the moment, and some of these horses might not run, like Lost and Running that might stay in Sydney. September Run has got a backup from the Moya. You know, maybe doesn't, maybe gets held back for another day, and most of these runners are coming out of the same race. Now, Brooklyn Hustle, EIPH, last start, and a throat, can, a throat issue. Are they going to back that, back her up a week later? Most of the runners are coming out of the same form race. And, you know, and Zutori, I thought, was pretty good first up. And and then you've got Kementari, who, you know, is a non-winner. The only, the only other one is Kemal Parsa, might, you know, ran third in the Oakley Plate. So... Did you, did, you, did you mention Splintex then, mate? Didn't it beat them all last start? But anyway. 
Which one? <laughs> Splintex. They're Splintex, but very inconsistent, though. You're, you're taking your chances on, on him doing that again, which he rarely does. And I think with a horse like Sutori, you know, second up last prep on the new market, I think, I think he's the one that can elevate here. But it all comes down to the final field, and I'm expecting a few of these nominations not to accept. Just out of interest, Big V, very elegant didn't happen to surprise and come down for the Turnbull. Are you still that confident about incentivise? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Cool, I cool. think I, I thought very elegant's win last start was was brave. And I think it did help that she had a, a soft track to do that. If it was a good track, I don't think she would have won last start. Um, we are going to get some rain this week. 25 mils, up to 25 mils predicted for Wednesday, and we're going to keep on getting a bit more rain Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But I think Incentivise has got soft track form. I think he's three from three on soft rated tracks, so I think he should be able to handle it. So I'm, I'm going to stick with Incentivise. I wouldn't be disappointed if Very Elegant comes down because then you might get a better price. I'm loving all these spruiks on horses that are taking on Very Elegant. She's done nothing wrong. If I'm getting a decent price about her, I'm, I'm with her on da- all day in some of these races, but we'll see how we go, Big V. Um, now, speaking of being on them all day, we are, should have backed the Twitter handle, mate. We put a few up on the weekend. I think they all finished top three. You you might have been the sole winner with Elephant there, um, as we discussed earlier, but definitely uh, if, you, if you did want to have a look at our bets, we put them up on Saturday morning, and thanks for those that are following and and commenting on that. But before we go, Big V, we had the big AFL grand final in uh, in Perth there. How did you celebrate, and uh, what did you think of the match? No, I thought it was a great match. I mean, if you can say that for a 74-point result. But the game was in the balance in the third, midway through the third quarter. I thought if the Bulldogs kicked another goal, they might have nearly shut the door on Melbourne. There were three goals up. But Melbourne, the Demons are having difficulty getting it up forward. And then all of a sudden, you know, they had um, Jack Viney comes in and he creates something which results in harms, finding Bailey Fritch. And then out of the centre, you know, the Demons kicked two goals in 50 seconds and they kicked three goals in the last minute of the quarter, which I think just demoralised the Bulldogs. And the game completely turned. So, yeah, unbelievable game, you know, and just the way Melbourne turned that, game around it was just you you couldn't you couldn't switch off yeah it was an amazing game of uh runs wasn't it you know it wasn't a, a sort of a, a arm wrestle it was one one team going for it then the other one going for it and then melbourne putting on i think 100 points to seven in the last quarter and a half of footy which is absolutely phenomenal i think a little bit of that was bulldogs just uh throwing in the towel but at the same time that's dominant and yeah, look, I think really well-deserved win by the D's there and certainly a well-deserved uh, Norm Smith to Christian Petrarca. Yeah, I think um, you yeah, couldn't agree more. I think Petrarca was the one. Even before he kicked his second goal, I thought Melbourne wins this game. He's the one for the the Norm Smith because he, he, he was racking up the disposals, but he's also getting those assists as well and you know, finding those targets inside 50 that led to goals. And then he kicked that dribble goal from the boundary, and I think that pretty much sealed it for him. Well, mate, also, he uh, happened just I happened to know that he kicked the first goal of the match too because I might have just had a sneaky little bet on him. Uh, so if you had the Christian Prochaka first goal, Norm Smith double, 
maybe into Melbourne to win. You were on a very good night. But, uh, yep, thanks, Big V. And, yeah, I think uh, Perth certainly put on a good show and it was uh, good to have over there and, you know, obviously not being able to have it here. And, yeah, I um, thought the whole package, including the uh, the stadium and and the and the entertainment was top-notch as well. But um, thanks, Big V. Uh, massive day of racing coming up this week. And, in fact, we're really into the swing of things now. The next few weeks all the way to the uh, Flemington Carnival there are quite is, are huge. So looking forward to watching all the racing with you, mate, and uh, all the best wins you're punting. Yeah, you too, Phil. You've been doing well the last couple of weeks, so hopefully that you know that good luck is rubbing can rub off on me. But the last two weeks have been okay, just a few small wins, just to build a bank, and it's all about maintaining that momentum and not getting carried away because they're big fields, they're tough fields. You just got to pick your targets and you know go for the horses that you think will win, and you know, that will take you a long way to making a profit. Absolutely, mate. You got to back your own judgment sometimes. Not listen to the uh, all the voices that you can sometimes get overwhelmed with on the some of the coverage. Yeah, and you don't have to have a bet in every race. You know, some races are just tough, and there's four, five, six options. You know, just pick the pick the races where you know it just looks clear cut in your opinion, and when you do your form, and if you can zero in on one or two horses that look like they should be winning a particular race, then you go for it. You're a great example of that, Big V. I've seen that in action at the at the uh, track before. Very calculating with your uh, gambling, which is always a good thing, mate. You've got to be sensible. But thanks for everyone. Thanks, Big V. And uh, we'll uh, catch you all again next week. And as always, good luck on the punt.